0: I would say it's worth it, personally. Dogging, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you're pregnant, right? Yeah, who knows who the dad is? Could be Mm. anyone. Alright, hi! We're back! (laughs) We haven't decided who's doing this bit. Hi! Hi
1: everyone! everyone. Welcome to what? What a way to go?
0: I yeah, I was just confused. Realized,
1: sorry this mine says recording on zoom
0: oh yeah. well, i'm recording the zoom anyway just in case
1: oh right fine
0: we're leaving
2: this all in by the way
1: sorry this is staying in everybody needs to know
2: era. how the pandemic podcast recording goes hi everyone we're back oi, oi. Hi. It's good to be back we thought we'd treat you eight weeks into the pandemic with a new episode of what a way to go we just thought we would surprise you. It's dropping, dropping in your inbox. You're not up to much anyway, are you? So I thought, I thought, we thought.
1: This would be worth It's all it. you. It's all you, Sarah.
2: It wasn't actually me, was it? It was Claire Daly. I'm like,
1: mic. No. Didn't.
2: Claire Daly suggested it.
1: Hey, we
0: have got a lot of time on hands. We've all got a lot of time on our hands.
2: This is very true.
0: This is a podcast, by the way, about unusual deaths, near misses, and bizarre stories. Well remembered. Oh yeah, She's we're on it. your hosts. I'm Claire. I'm Sarah. I'm Eleanor. Hard
1: to know what order to do that in because we're not sat next to each other.
0: Yeah, we're doing this over Zoom. Have you not got uh, our faces in order on um, Zoom? I'm
1: sandwiched between Claire's above me, you're below me.
2: Oh okay, you're below me. I'm in the middle.
1: Ah uh, right, fine. Claire, where are you? I'm in the middle on mine. Oh okay, there
2: go.
0: There That's what go. it does.
2: Um, also, listeners, we're recording this on our phones. Um, and you, my phone, is very close to my throat. And I've been drinking <laughs> red wine. So you're probably going to hear some interesting noises. I do apologize in advance, but you're probably used to it because you've listened to 40 episodes of us so far. It's an this authentic is,
0: experience.
2: Yeah. And you know that we drink and we do a podcast. So you're fine. You're fine about it. Um, this is episode 41. Can you believe yeah. it? No. How long since we lasted a podcast? Seven months. I think we did
0: it, the last one in September. Yeah. Mm. Is that seven so, months? That bloody long time.
2: No, that's nine months. What Fucking you, hell. What you, is it
0: really? Oh yeah, about long enough to make a baby. <laughs> hey. <laughs> is that which that is what I have money? been doing, by the way, listeners. Daily's got a baby
2: and a tummy. That's why we've yes. not been podcasting because we've all been growing a baby for Daily.
0: Yeah, it takes. It's a real team effort. I appreciate it. Takes a village. It. Mm. It's us. You wait till it's here, mate. I'm going to be leaving it with you. <laughs> when I go out. That's fine.
2: Els and I will uh, just drink and swear at it. That's usually what we do with Well, I mean, that's anything. Gonna,
0: Yeah, that's the best way to raise a baby. It's certainly how I was raised. Also,
2: Els, you've got big news. Have mm. I? Wilf?
0: Oh, yeah, I've know. got a dog. <laughs> She's got a dog. A so. very, a very nice dog.
1: Yeah, he is a nice dog. He's, um, he's a Welsh Terrier. He's a stubborn little guy, but in a very nice way. He's very cute. Got a lovely way about him. Um, I feel like I always have to give the caveat of anyone that's worried that he's a lockdown dog. He's not a lockdown dog. He's not. He was planned before lockdown. He was planned before lockdown. We did end up getting him during lockdown. However, the plan was to get a dog this year anyway. So just, you know, people are worried about people getting dogs and not thinking about the long term. I'm with you but... Uh, Els is a responsible dog I'm responsible owner. Responsible pet owner. I picked his poo up earlier. Well done. You know, that is fine. And Squares has only bloody moved house. Moved or into a
2: house. Moved into a three bed house, lads. It's uh, falling apart at the seams, and it's very stressful to get it all sorted out. I've absolutely bitten off more than I can chew. Me and my partner, Steve and I, have bitten off more than we can chew. But fuck it we can sit in separate rooms when we watch the simpsons that's all that really matters you know you can watch the
0: same episode if you want but yeah we really could point is you've got different rooms
2: exactly we um this is not interesting to anyone other than me and steve but i'll tell you anyway we're having the living room plastered at the moment and uh there's like a weird hollow box
1: oh was that it (laughs) that's it the podcast (laughs) is over
2: uh they've put just a weird hollow box above the windows with nothing in it it's like a little cavernous hole that they've just built in and wallpapered over absolutely no That's reason creepy. why can
1: you turn that into a like a shelf
2: no we just we just ripped it off and had a lighter living room exposed to us the guy the plasterer who's actually lovely a really decent guy let me know if you want his details he's great um He was like, oh, I'm going to have to charge you more to, you know, to re-plasterboard this and um, plaster it because it's MDF and it's really badly done. And I like, oh, fine, great. And then he said today, oh, no, actually, it's just a hole that they've just, like, (laughs) built themselves. (laughs) Really fucking weird. I don't know what the people that owned the house before us were up to, but it's really fucking weird. So now we've just got a brighter living room and a higher window. And it's not
0: full of cash or like treasures
2: no we've still got quite a lot of the house to explore so I'm really hoping that there are bundles of cash either under the stairs or in the loft but Phoenix not yet crossed. you mm-hmm. won't hear from me again if there are multiple bundles of cash somewhere obviously
1: the most exciting thing that we discovered was um some paper that must have been on like a parcel from like 1912, which I think was a few years Whoa. after the house was built for Woolwich Co op. And uh, Matt talked about framing it. I thought that was a step too far. So now it's just on our fridge. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> Sadly, I that. nothing I more exciting fra- than that. That's, I would that have that framed that.
0: Awesome.
1: You, you would have framed it? Yeah, I think that's quite interesting to have something. Like- it's interesting. It's just a bit of scrappy old paper, though. It's not, I don't know. I mean, it's on the fridge. We, you know, we acknowledge it every day.
2: That's good when you get out the cheese from the fridge. Um, (coughs) We we had this weird like old-fashioned fireplace and then it had like this weird tile section and everyone that's been to the house to talk to us about renovations is like, oh, it's all plastic, don't worry about it. Even Steve was like, it's plastic, don't do anything about it. We ripped it off before the plasterers came and they're all like tiny mini tiles. So I've like... Got and the proper tiles, not plastic, so I've all i scraped quite a few off and I'm just gonna turn them into coasters or something. There's a nice memory.
0: So fucking crafty, that's great.
2: But also, like everyone was like, Oh Sarah, what are you doing? They're all plastic. And I was like, No, they're fucking not, lads. It's it's actual tiles. Even the day that I did it, the plaster was like, Why are you doing that? It's shitty plastic like for want of a better word, like liner. I, I was like, it's fucking tiles and i'm gonna get them off and i did i've got a few war wounds because of it but actually they're great tiles and maybe somebody's gonna get a great coaster out of it at the end of it you know
0: well i think that's a great idea and fuck everyone that's judged you
2: yeah how dare <laughs> it, they in general and also for this example yeah exactly
0: <laughs> yeah fuck all those that judge you exactly Do you know what i've been reflecting on in the big the big break that we've had Cool. Some of the misfires that I gave in my girl crushes, Jamila Jamil was one of mine. Oh yeah, I remember that. And, and you, <laughs> uh, you called it the Times Squares, but <laughs> she's been a she's fair, been a been, a been a problem for a while. But um... she has gone very, very far down in my estimations. Did you did you read all the Munchausens by proxy stuff and then the yeah. subsequent fallout? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. The
2: whole like attack about the Munchausen's bar proxy is pretty shitty, anyway. <laughs>
0: Sorry, that keeps being me. That noise. I'm gonna move this glass out the way. Ringing and our yeah. own bell. Um, I think the whole thing was
1: not. I mean, yeah,
2: I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's convoluted. It's a really. Well, let's not get into it. But yeah, I think mm. that. But also, everything's multifaceted. Like, don't beat yourself up. You championed someone that was doing good for lots of people. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up about it.
0: Complex modern life is complex, the discourse is complex. Celebrities cancelled, uncancelled, re-cancelled. Yeah,
1: also, um, yeah, people are nuanced. It's, I don't know, people are so easy yeah. to, I think, just be like, oh, that person's cancelled, and it's fine, like, people do do shitty things, but it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Just um, trying blanket. to
0: blanket.
2: I do think that I do think that women in general have a harder time. I had this conversation earlier with my friend about lots of. White female CEOs that have stepped down from their positions um, in the last couple of weeks because obviously the the heightened black lives matter conversations mm. and I agree there's there 's some really terrible examples of the, how they 've behaved and what they 've done i don 't disagree with them stepping down however there 's lots of white CEO men that have done far worse that are still comfortably in their positions and I do think that women are ha- like held to a higher um example of behaviour than a lot of women, sorry, than men. Um mm. and I do find that quite frustrating. even with the Jamelia Jamil, like I've not I've not loved her for a while. I can see the good that she's done. Um but she's still held to a higher example than men in her situation that have mm. capitalised on other people's kind of grassroots movements. And it is it's just it is. It's nuanced. Elsa's right, it's nuanced and it's not a black and white scenario, you know? So don't feel bad about talking about Jamila Jamil.
0: No, definitely. Yeah, no, like it's just something that I've that I thought about and I was like, oh things things really change. It's of the moment, also, you know? Um <clears throat> Matt likes to
1: regularly uh laugh at the fact that we I can't even remember what it was, but that we talked about did we talk about Phineas Fogg as if he was a real person? Yeah, yeah we did, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's embarrassing. I mean... I don't think that's that far-fetched. Do you know what I think it is? You know Michael Palin went round the world in 80 Days or whatever? Like, not round the mm. world, but there was that programme in the 80s
0: yeah. or
1: 90s, which is on iPlayer, which Matt started watching, which is why it recently came up as a bit of a chide. I but think that's where I, I, I think. love got that all of us...
0: Look, if it's a, sh- if it's a shared ignorance, I think... It's cute. It's basically it's part of But also, of
1: consciousness.
2: I'm not ashamed that I didn't know that he wasn't a real person. Like, <laughs> give a fuck. He's not that. <laughs> is he that important? Like, I know well, who Christopher, Christopher Columbus is. He's he's a real guy and he's
1: a bad guy. Like, I know who that is. Hmm. Phileas Fogg. <laughs> like. I think some, I was confused because there's some crisps with something about Phileas Fogg on them. And like an yeah. picture of a man. So I assumed he was real.
0: Yeah, it's fine. I still don't even. Was he just in a book? I still don't even really know what the deal is. Did. So I just, I'll is it, it possible to go
1: around the world? He
0: just. I think he was just in the book. It's right?
1: possible to go around the world, yeah.
0: I mean, not, not just generally. I mean, in a Hot Air Balloon in 80 Days. That's he's, the question.
1: Uh, he's a pr- the protagonist in Around the World in 80 Days. Okay. <laughs>
0: there we go. That oh, makes there sense. we go. Um, who's going to go first this week? I don't know. I don't... went first in episode 40. So it's ours. Let's do that. I'm slightly worried that we should have checked. I'm worried that we should have checked what we were doing in case we've got... No one's story. got my... No one's got my story, lads. Okay, You're fine. fine. Good. That was very confident. No one's got it.
1: I don't it. have mine. I don't have mine. All right, El's, do you want to go? Uh, yeah. Sure. Well, <laughs> that's what we're all here to do. So, I was thinking about um, just stuff in London, weird stories in London, because I've spent um, a lot of time in London recently, as have we all, because we all live there. Anyway, um, so I found out about Pickering Place, Mm -hmm. which is a little square, and it's right in the center of London, and it is apparently the smallest square in the UK, that's exciting. And I'll be was. the judge of that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, don't know you, what I mean by that. You've measured them all, so <laughs> you'd know. Um, It was home to the Texas Embassy uh, until 1845, because Texas just became part of the USA. It also uh, still uses gas lighting today. So that's another great fact. Um,
0: I can't see it. Where is it?
1: Is it uh, west? Oh, Yeah. So it's between, um, it's sort of behind Pall Mall and St. James's Street. I googled to see whether, um, how much that like, property was in uh, Pickering Place. And nothing came up on Zoopla, unfortunately. But there was a one bedroom flat on St. James's Street for 1.5 million. So, One bedroom flat? Yeah. So if the, if the house is getting a bit, you know, a bit too much, Sarah, you could maybe look at that.
2: Honestly, yeah. house prices in London are a fucking joke. I feel like people in history are going to look back on what we've done to property in London and look down Smack on it. Smack us in
0: the retrospective face. Yeah,
2: it's mad.
1: Yeah. Anyway, none of these things are particularly relevant to my story. I just thought I'd lay the background to Pickering Place. Um, the big news about it is it was the home to the last public jewel. In London. Oh, lovely. Yeah, big news. So I thought, oh, that's exciting. Let me find out about this duel and what happened. Nothing. There's no information. Don't know. Don't know who it was between. Don't know anything. Anyway, obviously it's that's good it. story else. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's it. Great. <Right>, story <laughs> else Back
0: with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> Episode forty one.
1: <laughs> Not had a lot of time this week. That's it. <laughs> um, sure, sure, sure. N- no. Don't worry, guys. I've got a story. Um, anyway, I oh another thing about this also is it, it's quite a contested fact because uh, apparently there's a big sundial in the middle of the square, and um, not that's not great for jeweling apparently. So it might it might not even be home to the last last jewel. But anyway, that's irrelevant. Anyway, it sent me on a jeweling hole. So. <laughs> That's where we have all been there <laughs> we've been there no, it's that's fine that's where i got to so what i've got is a little bit of information about dueling for those that are interested <laughs> yeah sign me up and then just some good dueling stories one about the actual last duel in england fatal duel a little bit about that and then just a couple that i quite liked just um can we just check that daily hasn't got the story i've definitely noticed oh, what a dream that we are
2: all bringing separate stories Ding, lovely,
1: ding, ding. lovely. So I don't know how much you guys know about dueling, but essentially,
0: not a lot. Else. <laughs> I know the I know Hamilton's son was killed in a duel. I remember and so that was, for the play. So was Hamilton. Oh no? yeah, yeah, with Aaron Burr. Yeah, sure. So... Yeah, that seems like a really really important part for me to forget. <laughs> in my defence, I'd been drinking espresso martinis all morning. Oh well, that will do it. When I saw Hamilton. <laughs> I'm surprised you remember any of it. Yeah, why did that really stand out? But Hamilton's death didn't. <laughs>
1: Who knows? Nora. Hamilton actually also has a lovely song about the rules of a jewel. If anyone wants to find more information, then listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. That's my advice. I'll dub it in. I'll, I'll put it in the background of your Ooh, story. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> um, so, essentially, Julie was a way that officers and gentlemen settled matters of honour for quite a long time. No one really knows... Um, like, when it started, because people have basically always settled things with balls, and that still kind of happens today. But Fisticuffs. Um, Fisticuffs, exactly. But, uh, yeah, up until kind of the mid-19th century, people would meet with pistols or before that, swords, to settle, um, like, a dispute or to kind of settle the score if someone had, like, perceived to have been insulted by someone else. Essentially, if you got cha- if you were a man, this is more more for the men. The old dueling, um, if you were perceived to have been insulted by somebody, and you didn't like challenge them to a duel, you could be like ostracised from society. People what thought you, you weren't dealing with it properly. So uh, yeah, dueling was pretty pretty rife, and it got so popular that. Um, like what really constituted as an insult became a bit muddied. So like people were just like using jewels to settle everything. So a really good example that I found is uh, in 1805, um, there were two officers in Hyde Park and they were riding their horses and taking their dogs for a walk, which is quite what a combo. A- great. One was an army officer and one was a navy officer. So apparently their dogs got into a fight, and um, in order, they like both blamed the other dog for um, starting the fight. And because they didn't know which dog was at fault, they had a duel that evening. Uh, and one of them was wounded and the other one was killed. So it feels like quite
0: an extreme way. I wonder, like, what kind of percentage of the population was getting wiped out by duels over things like that? A I lot. Did see- I did see something that said
1: um, only, like, one in five people died from a jewel. Well, I say only one in five. Those are quite high odds, aren't they? But anyway. <laughs> That's a lot of have. people. Are we talking about the entire population? One in five no. people,
2: <laughs> people
0: died? No, people that did jewels. Uh, people that
1: did jewels, yeah. How do, you know, how do you know the amount of people... Do Anyway, anyway, let's not get into statistics. Know. Also, like, a jewel is like... I'm going to say men because it was more men, but... I deal have a story about two women and it's a really good story. It's just like a way of pretending to be honourable, of just like having a... Like if it was two men like having a punch-up outside a pub, it would maybe not be seen as honourable, but because it's like men of a certain class that are settling it with pistols or swords, it's like, I don't know, like, well, well done, sir, for showing your honour or whatever. It's um, Yeah, true. That is very true. It's a bit of bullshit. So by the mid-19th century... Like attitudes to dueling had changed. So rather than people thinking it was great, people started to think it was um, like, oh, come a bit on. Bit dumb. Yeah, come on, lads. <laughs> there are better ways of sorting this out if you tried like restorative justice or just something a bit more, you know. Just
2: walking out. Less, less gunny.
1: Less diey, you know. Yeah, yeah. And people that were in power, like Queen Victoria thought it was a load of old shit. Like she wasn't really up for it. Um, not that she was involved in any, I don't think. She just, you know, she fought people that were not into it. So, um, yeah, I think it didn't become such a popular way of settling things. And um, they did, yeah, they were banned in the 19th century. So the last duel that was fatal in the UK uh, was in 1845. And that happened in Gosport near Portsmouth. The year before, in 1844, the sending and accepting of challenges had been banned. So that kind of covers duelling, essentially. Um, So the reason that this last duel happened, it was between two lads called Lieutenant Henry Hawkey, who was in the Royal Marines, and um, James Alexander Seaton, who was a former cavalry officer in Portsmouth. And basically... Henry Hawkey's wife, Isabella, was like the, James Seaton like really fancied her, and he wouldn't leave her alone. He kept giving her a lot of attention, and old Henry Hawkey didn't like that very much. Um, what so, did she think
0: of it, though? That's yeah, been erased from history.
1: I don't think she was allowed to give her opinion about it. So we'll never know. But I suppose I women really just... were seen as property then. So didn't matter mm, did it yeah didn't matter um I don't think that obviously I I think that it <laughs> it's all right no, you don't think that. <laughs> so basically Hawkey thought I'll settle this by challenging Seaton to a duel and first of all Seaton was like no because he was a bit full of bravado and he um he kind of he was somebody that said he'd been involved in this that and the other but I think Turned out probably didn't quite have the military history that he claimed to have and was quite sheepish and not really wanting to have a duel. But, but he said uh, initially to Hawkey that it would be beneath him to do that with somebody in the Marines, which is obviously even more insulting. Shade. So yeah. old Hawkey persisted. Um, Throw in shade in 1845. Yeah, exactly. And Hawkey, basically, when they were all in the king's rooms, don't know, but sure. Um, Hawkey said to Seaton that he would horsewhip him up and down the street unless he jewelled him, basically. And so Seaton was like, fine, okay. Um, so Hawkey went out because he Hawkey realised he didn't actually, even though he was in the military, he didn't actually have any duelling um, pistols because apparently you need the right equipment if you're going to you know, do it properly. So he went out with his um, his uh, like second, because I think both of them have got to have
0: Seconds to you know,
1: yeah, yeah. Check
0: it's all legit. Um, Again, coming back to me from Hamilton.
1: Yes, and they were trawling the streets of Portsmouth to try and find their proper jewelling pistols. They managed to find them. So uh, on the evening of the twentieth of May, eighteen forty-five, um, they met at five p.m. Now, apparently, a common misconception is that jewels were often in the morning. Well, I think they were often in the morning, but they didn't always need to be in the morning. This one was in the evening. <laughs> People um, <laughs> like
0: laying in, of course.
1: Yeah, exactly. They were all. Uh, well, if it's
0: going if you if you're gonna die that day, it's nice yeah, to lay in isn't it. Get a lay yeah, in. It. Don't worry yeah, about exactly. it. Yeah,
1: hawks, not owls. No, nope, owls, not no. Owls, not larks. Hawks, <laughs> larks, not hawks. Larks. Um, it's because of hawky in my head. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, five p.m. It's a May evening. It's 5 pm. It's light outside. A jewel is it's about happening. To, a jewel is about to take place. Oh yes. Um, so essentially, they distanced themselves
0: 15 socially. paces. Yeah, socially. It's more than social distancing. Yeah.
1: 15 paces from each other. Twelve was um the huge, but um fifteen. Don't know why. Why not? That's what they went for. Um and The one of the seconds said to fire, uh, but only one pistol actually fired because Hawkey's pistol had been at half cock.
0: Which means
1: means it couldn't discharge its pistol, apparently.
0: He's like, I would say, if you're going to do a duel, first thing to get right is have your your gun ready. Get
1: your equipment ready, absolutely.
0: if there's a chance that your gun's not going to go off, you're dead, mate.
1: Yeah, surely that's the reason
2: you're there for a duel, is to, like, you know... Fire.
1: Kick
2: yeah. someone yeah. in the face with a bullet.
0: Now, bless you. Thanks. Thanks. you dead. Sorry. <laughs> Now that I'm nine months pregnant and I have hay fever, it's like any given sneeze could be the moment my bladder completely empties. Oh dear. That imagine if you started giving
2: definitely. birth on this podcast, that would be the best thing in the world. It would. I don't think I'm going to know. Please don't. We've got stuff to get through.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm editing this week. I can't
1: oh, have yeah. the baby. yet. That is going to be long. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, you say. Imagine our <laughs> voice recordings. We'd be like
2: chasing you to hospital, trying to get in there to meet the baby. Anyway, no,
1: And absolutely <laughs> insisting that you still edit as well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you said you I'm would really edit. Funny. It's just that
1: you did say you would do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> daily I you know said that you would old. edit, but you know, we've got, me and Elsa got stuff on. And, I don't want to be uh,
1: pedantic, but you did say. And we've The got baby it on doesn't recording. need
2: anything in the couple of days that you've given birth to it, so it's fine. Just no, carry on, it's on editing, fine. it's fine.
1: Um, Anyway, yeah, you say that he would be dead, but he wasn't dead because I think the other guy was just a bit shit. So um, his bullet okay. did go uh, off, but it didn't um, hit him. So they were fine. Now, what they could have done at that point is walk away with their honour intact and both still alive. But they didn't. Mm-mm. They went again. This time, uh, Hawkey's bullet went into Seton's hip and Seaton missed again. So not not great at the old
0: aiming Mm-mm. shot in the hip can't be that bad though can it well is it <laughs> linear, or is it well, you I, say that. About to find out.
1: I mean seaton basically said that if they'd been stood at 12 paces away from each other rather than 15 he would have like definitely
0: killed him sure but sure. shot his cock off but yeah exactly
1: <laughs> but he but, but there's it. a uh, an assumption that perhaps older Seaton was uh, a bit short-sighted, which is why. But I just think I don't know. Does that make a difference? Anyway, What's we'll another have... two
0: paces, three paces? Exactly.
1: He didn't die straight away, as you might imagine. A uh, bullet in the hip. It's not a vital organ, but he did get an infection, and because of
0: that, he died. Oh dear. So a slow. A slow way to die after a duel, I'd say.
1: Yeah yeah definitely not a particularly good end to old seaton that so that is that, that's the last fatal duel um, apparently old uh, hawkey um he went off to france after that because technically it was illegal and then um his second came back and was tried for it and managed to oh, but he got off he was acquitted And then because of that, Hawkey was like, oh, great, okay, I'll do the same because I'll probably get acquitted as well. Um, And even though I think the judge thought he was not, uh, he was guilty, um, the jury didn't think that he was guilty. So he got off from that. And little bit uh, of local knowledge in this story. Seven years later, uh, Hawkey was on his way to the barracks in Woolwich uh and he got into another brawl with a man okay. a man that he thought was after his wife although apparently there's some evidence that they may have actually properly been having an affair um nice good good for them and then he was found guilty of uh violently assaulting this first lieutenant i definitely had a duel though i think that was just your classic 50 cuffs but um Quite violent. He sounds like so. a bit of a temperamental bastard, to be fair. I think he might have been an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, mm, sounds like... Mm, all signs are might, towards... Might have been. Him ...being an asshole. So, that's the story of the last fatal jewel in this country, in England. But it wasn't in that little square? It wasn't in that little square. That was apparently the last jewel in London, but I couldn't oh. find... I couldn't actually find the story. Um, anyway, I was reading again about um, jewels, and I just... <laughs> I found one that I really liked, so I'm just gonna.
0: Els is a jewel fan now. Yeah, big fan.
1: Massive. If anyone's got any books about it, send them over. (laughs) Um, This one. So, this is on the Encyclopedia Britannica, and this is the petticoat jewel. Uh, So, this is between two ladies, and this is. Yeah, This is in 1798. So Lady Almeria Braddock, she got offended at a comment that was made by Mrs. Elphinstone um, because Mrs. Elphinstone claimed that Braddock, who said that she was not yet 30, was actually more than 60. What? <laughs> I feel like that would have been obvious in the 1700s because like, their skincare wasn't like banging like it is now. Mm. So I just can't yeah. imagine. Like you'd yeah. have to be really like blessed with good skin, to be, like, 60 but looking 28 or something. So, yeah, probably... Anyway, because of this, they thought, well, all right, let's resolve this with a duel. Why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how I'd like to resolve all my quarrels this time. You yeah, know, just duel it. I mean, it's outlawed, but that doesn't mean that you, you can't. Who's going to stop me? Boris Johnson. He's got enough on his plate, mate. He has Come enough on. on his plate, yeah. Um, so, anyway, they went to Hyde Park as well. And um, both of them fired their pistols, but they missed. Um, and then, again, rather than just ending it there, they decided that they'd just try it with a sword.
0: Fine, <laughs> oh, Christ.
1: One of them, I think Lady Almeria... Oh, no, sorry. So, after um, Mrs Elphinstone received a wound to her arm from the sword, she said that she would write a letter of apology. And that, that was Aww. it.
0: So that was just re- caught with the edge of the sword, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, Not- yeah,
1: and that was enough. They were like, "Do you know what? I'll just I'll write a letter to apologise and let's just have it at that." So, that's uh, that's my dueling stories. Nice. Um,
0: what in your life would you most like to have duelled someone over? Oh,
1: I feel like when I was younger, me and my brother argued a lot, so that could have maybe just been resolved with a quick duel when we were growing up. Yeah. But um, it often ended in him sort of hitting me quite hard on the arm which I guess is sort of the same thing so in its way in its yeah, way yeah exactly
0: so in some ways I've already done it yeah
2: should I tell you my story
0: yeah why don't you tell us this story Squares?
2: eagle-eared listeners will know that I've told you um a story previously about Ray Chapman who was the first baseball player to be killed by a
1: baseball
0: Yep.
2: um so that was in 1920 and he was the first person to have been killed by a baseball until then and since then, in fact, and it led to various changes within the game, although it did, it did take a while for them to be um, fully implemented. But today I'm going to talk to you about baseball in general, but specifically some of the injuries and deaths sustained by fans of the game due to foul Ooh. balls. So okay, nice. to give credit where credit's due, my interest for this story comes from um, a Deadspin, which is an, a website. It was a long read written by Kelsey McKinney last year. And I found it really randomly. I don't think it was from Reddit or anything like that. It was just kind of like randomly shared. And it was a fascinating story. Um, and there's there's actually quite a lot of articles about the danger of being a fan of baseball in the stadiums, um, wherever it is, like kind of whatever state you're in. And um, there was a death in 2018 um, that kind of peaked a lot of people's interest in this but also a lot of writers interest in this story so yeah i started looking into this a bit more a lot because last year because of the long read but it also talks about linda goldblum who um who died in 2018 after being hit by a foul ball and they say that lots of people think that she was or lots of people believe mis misinterpreted but lots of people believe that she was the first death of a fan in major league baseball but she was actually the the first F in 50 years, right. directly attributed to a foul ball. So just to give you a bit of context about her, uh, she was, obviously, if you're going to go see a baseball game, you're, you're going to be a huge baseball fan. She was a huge baseball fan and had been for lots of her life. She went to a Los Angeles Dodgers game in August 2018 to celebrate her 79th birthday and 59th wedding anniversary. Her seats were behind home plate, but above the net. So I'll go into a bit more detail about the nets, but there's only a certain level of nets that you have within a baseball game and lots of seats aren't covered by the net that they have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the top of the ninth inning, that means nothing to me, but if you're a baseball fan, that'll mean everything to you, I'm sure. A San Diego Padres player fouled a ball straight back over the net and into Linda's head. So she she was initially responsive. She died a few days later as a result of her injury, um, which is... similar for lots of people that you don't actually um, understand or portray your injury when you get hit. It's days afterwards or weeks afterwards that you understand the implications of your injury. Um, So the Dodgers did not comment on Linda's death publicly for the rest of the season, and neither did Major League Baseball. Oh, shit. It wasn't until ESPN's William Weinbaum, who broke the story of her death in February 2019, so that's, you know, six months later, that anyone knew that she'd even died at a major league baseball park which kind of reminds me of like disney where they don't talk about the fact that anyone's Mm. died in the park people have died because of injuries or whatever but they never talk about people dying at the park um but you know for her family who know that she got injured at at the game who know that she died because of the injuries that she sustained at the game the rest of the season was terrible um so her daughter Yana um, Brody is quoted as saying we all had a really bad taste in our mouths it was the playoffs and everyone was constantly saying yay Dodgers and we were still trying to mourn no one knew that she had died yeah
0: that's awful it's
2: really really awful it's a kind of a systemic problem within um, MLB that they just try and cover up the injuries and the deaths that they've had um so also if you ask a lot of fans of baseball most people believe that Linda was the first person to die as a result of the foul ball um at a a Major League Baseball game. But actually, that's not true. There is a 32-year-old, there's proof of, in fact, there's actually probably potentially more people that have died because of this, but definitive proof that a 32-year-old named Clarence Stagmeyer who died in 1943 after being hit by an errant throw at Griffin Stadium and Alan Fish, a 14-year-old kid who died in 1970 after a foul ball at Dodger Stadium hit him in the head. Mm-hmm. so like looking into this it's actually it's, it's it's conflicting in the sense that obviously lots of people have different opinions there's a book that's been written um called death at the ballpark um which is uh detailing all about the 2000 plus game related fatalities of players other personnel and spectators in amateur and professional baseball from 1862 to 2014 so that guy has more details than anyone or anyone's talking about kind of online and, and since. But even then, it's it's massively covered up. Not even covered up. It's not like it's a conspiracy theory, but it's just something that's brushed.
0: It's just not talked about.
2: Yeah, not talked about or, you know, not wanted to be talked about because obviously it kind of it hinders people wanting to come to the games or want to be part of it or, you know, want to be a spectator. Um, Which is kind of ironic because baseball is anonymous as statistics and fans trace the placement of every pitch and home run. NBC News actually did a big expose or kind of like a deep dive into this and the kind of details of surrounding injuries and deaths um, at games a couple of years ago and MLB so Major League Baseball along with 30 teams declined their requests for information about the number of incidents and injuries at in their ballparks some teams said that they don't track data and others said that it was a privacy issue um, so the NBC News tally that they currently have is based on lawsuits, news reports, social media and information from contractors that provide first aid stations at Major League Baseball stadiums so as part of that investigation, they found at least 808 reports of injuries to fans from baseballs from 2012 to 2019. Bloody so hell. in seven years, they had more than 100 reports a year of injuries. Um, right, the injuries can be, you know, concussions or, you know, kind of minor, minor problems with um, uh, kind of like a noctoth tooth or something to permanent vision loss um and and also because of the the way that the nets are placed it can be from home runs it can be from batting practice if the fans are there earlier or in other cases fans were injured as they scrambled to catch fly balls catch balls flying into the stands so it really depends it depends on where you are and what you're up to but also in general a foul ball which happens quite a lot of the time you could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and get hit in the face. Well, yeah,
0: that's it. Because I was thinking, like, you know, it happens in cricket sometimes, right? Yeah. When yeah. people, like, when it goes into the crowd people catch it or whatever. Because if it's, like, a live ball in play, presumably kind of everyone in that stadium is looking at that ball or seeing where it's going. So I'm always mm. like, surely it can't just be then all of a sudden it's in front of your eyes. But I guess if there's, like, practice hits or like you say, foul balls that are not as easy to predict or something. That's so many. That's way more than I thought there would be.
2: Yeah. But also um, some people, so, so come, some kind of people like within the system have said kind of, you know, it's up to the, it's up to the fans or it's up to the spectators to understand where they're potentially going to get hit. But there are actually people that have said that it's, it's unrealistic for people to expect um fans to pay attention for the entirety of the game. Mm, So Brooks Boyer, um a senior vice president for sales and marketing for the Chicago White Sox says we have digital boards giving fans all sorts of information and the cadence of baseball allows you to have a conversation that doesn't require you to have a hundred percent attention to what's going on in the field. And this also like, you know, you're buying beer, you're buying um hot dogs, you're talking to your friends, you're talking to whatever. Yeah. How are you expected to know when it's going to come and hit you in the face? And because the the game moves quite quickly, you're not necessarily going to understand that that's going to happen. And actually there was so this is the kind of point so the the long read that I read was like fascinating, really really interesting by Deadspin, and then I read another article that was um predominantly based on the kind of um information founded by NBC News, and then I found another um, article which was a review based on Bloomberg that was from 2014 that 1,750 fans per year are injured by foul balls and lots of the injuries have been absolutely harrowing so in There's 2007 so many t- that's There's fucking some... tons yeah. of people and this is the point if the if most news outlets and also fans of the game didn't realise that the woman in 2018 had died. Mm. How do you think they're suppressing everything else? So yeah. in 2017, Sports Illustrated um, recounted some recent cases that a woman in Dodger Stadium, her jaw was broken in two places by a flying bat... In 2008, a fan at Fenway Park spent a week in serious condition at hospital in 2015 after a thrown bat hit his head. So a thrown bat isn't even necessarily part of what you would expect. It's not a foul ball. It's because of the actual player through the bat when they're running. Um, Jesus. A screaming line drive at Wrigley Field that same year, so in 2015, left a fan carted out on a stretcher and then actually... When you think, of, when you go back to the actual data that NBC could obtain, Cause Field, which is home of the Colorado Rockies, um, is only one of the four ballparks where NBC News could get the the, the emergency response data. One hundred seventy six out of the one hundred ninety three total calls reported. Um, of the injuries from baseballs could be mapped out by seat sections. They showed a majority Mm. of the calls for these reported injuries occurring outside of the protective netting.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense.
2: So only four of the agencies at four parks provided records of emergency data to baseball fan injuries, but those four alone provided 701 reports of injuries from baseballs hit into the stands. NBC News found an additional 107 reports of people hit by balls since 2012 after combing through lawsuits, news reports and social media postings involving all 30 um, Major League Baseball teams for a, pro- for a total of at least 808 reported injuries. I think the point is to realise or to understand that they only managed to get to talk to four of the agencies that look after mm. the four parks out of 30 and... 808 reported injuries doesn't necessarily mean every injury that's sustained because lots of people get hit and lots of people report the injuries after they've left so it might not necessarily get caught into the kind of um, conversations. Um, So mentioning again the book that was written which is um, Death of the Ballpark Bob Gorman, um, he actually thinks the number of fan injuries is likely much much higher. He is quoted as saying, I think the number is a lot higher than people realise, I think the teams know it, Um, I think they They've intentionally downplayed it. So the physics of getting struck by a baseball can be like catastrophically brutal. Baseballs are hard. <laughs> I mean, similar to cricket balls to a certain degree. They weigh five ounces and are nine inches round. Um, they're roughly the size of a fist. I mean, um, a man's fist, I would assume. And in major leagues, they can fly off the bat of the best hitters at more than 100 miles per hour. At that speed, they can strike like a grenades. fan. Like grenades. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But not
0: grenades. Grenades is a bad analogy. They're like bullets. <laughs>
2: bullets, sorry, yeah, bullets. But at that speed, they can strike a fan a second after leaving the bat. Oof. So how, how you can expect a fan to anticipate getting yeah, hit by a true, foul ball... True when it's happened a second after the bat has hit it, is mad. Mm. Um, So Garrett Jones is an eight-year-old veteran of Major League Baseball, and he knows firsthand the agony of seeing a foul ball hit a fan. He is a former first baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He hit a line draft foul along the first base side. This is all nonsense to me. Um, Into the stand um, at a game on May 25th, 2013, and he hit a little boy. The boy that he hit turned out to not be seriously hit but even with his skills as a top professional player Jones questions whether as a fan of the stands he could catch a line drive headed his way he is quoted as saying even if I'm watching a game and a 105 miles per hour foul ball comes at me and I'm ready for it there's still a good chance that I'm gonna miss it the mm. conditions of the ballpark and the technology of the game have changed. The players are stronger, the pitchers are throwing faster, and the balls are coming off the bat harder. Data compiled for NBC News by the LES Sports Bureau shows that the number of foul balls per game has increased ten percent since two thousand. And and as I said, like it's it's very unrealistic for people to be paying attention all the time. So part yeah. of the kind of the the colour of the pandemic. So Steve and I were meant to be going to see baseball here in London at the Olympic Stadium. And I could not imagine, like, being, like, 100% concentrating the exact... all the time. Like, you're going to want to get a beer. You're going to want to get a big foam finger. You're going to be want to be chatting to the <laughs> people that you're with or watching... The the concept of watching a game, a hunt any game, any sports game, yeah, anything, yeah. like a gig, anything yeah. that you yeah, go to yeah, a public so event right, for, yeah. is so yeah. unrealistic. And it's it just it does seem kind of weird that there's kind of like a bit of a weird um blame associated with the kind of attendees that it could be the case. So mm. um in December 2015, Major League Baseball released a recommendation that teams should provide expanded netting and shield seats 70 feet down both foul lines and from home play only a few of the teams did so at the time it wasn't until September 2017 so nearly two years later that a little girl was severely injured by a foul ball off the bat of Todd Frazier at Yankee Stadium that the rest of the teams extended their netting their protective netting and the the frustrating thing about this um, and this is kind of in the the Dead Spin article is that the ability to extend the netting has always been there there's no reason that anyone can give you for not extending the netting that doesn't sound like excuses the nets Mm. don't obstruct any views it's been shown that the nets can be raised in certain sections to allow one-on-one interactions between the players and the fans if that's what you want and then they can be lowered again when the ball was in play so there's 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 been absolutely no reason to do it it's not for money it's not for kind of engagement it's not for fan interaction it doesn't really matter um and for everybody that's been hurt or everybody that's been seriously um injured during a baseball game, they've obviously tried to sue the stadium, obviously. America's full of people trying to sue everybody. Um, so they've tried to do, sue the stadium or the league to get some kind of conversation due to their injuries. But there's a liability protection under the so-called baseball rule, um, which means that there's there's really nothing they can do. The baseball rule is a legal doctrine that, that dates back to the early 1900s that makes it difficult for spectators to sue professional teams over injuries because the disclaimer on the back of every ticket reads that ticket ho- that the ticket holder assumes all risk day- danger and injury incidental Ugh. to the game of baseball
0: fucking hell
2: so even if you go even if you get hit even if you you know suffer life-altering injuries there's not really anything you can do as a spectator well they would
0: just i mean if you think about the numbers of people getting socked in the face left right and center they would have no money left it would probably bankrupt mlb right
2: but yeah but also it. like why don't you just extend the net like that well, Surely, yeah. i will... mean
0: there's, there's an easier solution yeah It's mad. Stop
2: people getting hurt, let alone suing you. It's mad. Um, So just to touch on a couple of the injuries that people have sustained, I'm not going to go into it because there's there's a lot of horrible stories. But um, Laura and Richard Cusick went to... um, visit their friends in St. Louis and they got good tickets to see the Cardinals play the Braves and they were their seats were right behind the first base dugout. So Laura is quoted as saying that she remembers the reliever Atlanta brought in could throw in the high 90s. She remembers that one of those pitches snapped the batter's bat in half on contact <laughs> and every, her life changed after that moment. She wasn't sure where to look. At the flying bat splinters or at the ball, there wasn't enough time to decide. It happened so quickly. Remember, it can oh, happen God. like a second later. Um, yeah. The ball coming off the bat and flying by the side of her face, close, close and fast enough to lift up her hair and smashing square into her husband's eye. Oh, the ball gosh. broke every bone in his eye socket, his nose oh, and his God. jaw. Um, Laura has she's kind of said she's got some medical background, and the not the doctors at the hospital showed her the cat scan, but she's quoted as saying, "I was mortified. it looked like someone had taken a grape and just smashed it. There was nothing left to it. Rick, her Jeez. husband did recover, but his eye didn't he can 't see out of it now, and they no, they no longer watch baseball mm,
0: they can well, yeah, no they sure. hear the it crack of the time.
2: bat, yeah, and they're just waiting for the next hit um Another incident that happened is um Kerry Flynn's seven-year-old daughter was hit in the head by a foul ball at a minor league game in 2005. Flynn said the two sounds were almost the same, the sound of the ball hitting the bat and the sound of the ball denting her daughter's skull. Oh, my oh. Um my God. Andy Zlotnick was hit by a foul ball on the first baseline in Yankee Stadium in 2011. He says that after he was hit, an usher came down to check on him. He told me that they couldn't get a stretcher or a wheelchair to me because of the stairs. So here I am with three boys, children, walking out the stadium with my eye just bleeding and bleeding. The Yankees fans, God bless them, gave me a standing ovation. Um, Luckily, he didn't have a brain injury, but all of the bones around his eye and his face were broken. He had to have five hours of surgery to reconstruct his face and wasn't able to work for a couple of months. His vision returned, unlike Rick's. Um, but it still doubles from time to time and he still has chronic pain in his face. His he did have insurance, but the injury still cost him twenty-five grand out of pocket. So (sighs) let's not go into America and their ridiculous um systems, but it's just mad what what it is. Getting hit in the face shouldn't cost you twenty-five grand. And you're already paying for the ticket, it's ridiculous. So the kind of the good news is um that as of twenty twenty A total of 13 teams have announced a further extension of the netting. So six teams um, announced this season. This was coming into 2020. 2020 obviously the pandemic has changed a lot of things but hopefully um, the, the teams will still adhere to this and also more teams will potentially do this too. So the White Sox, the Braves, the Washington Nationals, Baltimore Orioles, Los Angeles Dodgers and Houston Astros, seven other teams, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Kansas Royal, sorry, Kansas City Royals, Milwaukee Brewers, Pittsburgh Pirates, Texas Rangers, Toronto Blue Jays and the Philadelphia Phillies have all committed to ending to extending their netting by the 2020 season. Seventeen teams have not announced any plans to make additional extensions to their netting. Of those seventeen, some already have netting that extends past the home and visitor dugouts, but have netting that extends to the foul poles. And I think that's kind of where the like murky area is: is that lots of um, stadiums have different layouts and different ways that yeah, their yeah, yeah. their stuff is played, um, placed. So lots of them can kind of get away with not doing it or not that but lots of places have the ability to not adhere to new rules because every every stadium's different um but that was the kind of detail when in, in early 2020 kind of like february march before the pandemic hit that stadiums were agreeing to this and going to do it but obviously now that we haven't had any live any live games mm. um since then no one knows but hopefully what we will see is that more stadiums do it and more... Because what, what's the net going to do? Like, you have it over the entire crowd. That's not going to do anything. Like, you could still potentially still get a foul ball, like, still grab it. I think the idea of grabbing a foul ball versus not being hit in the face, it doesn't really matter. Like Well, it...
0: yeah, I mean, if you knew the kind of scale that it was happening at, I'm sure people mm. would be yeah, up for a bit more safety.
2: So there you go. There you go. That's Jesus. my
0: story. Crazy. Another baseball one. Sorry. It's
1: dangerous to go and watch a baseball. I quite game. wanted to
0: go and see baseball, but I think I might do basketball no, now. Don't do it. Fucking mad. You know what's just started on channel four? Hey. Dogging tales. What's that? The documentary about dogging. Did you see it? It was on a few years ago. I've never seen it. Oh my god, you need to watch it. It's um, life changing, I would say. Why is it life changing? <laughs> You watch it and then you tell me if it hasn't changed. Okay, fine. It's about it is about people that go dogging, but they make them all wear like little animal masks for their anonymity, and they're all just like quite weird people. Obviously, it's amazing.
2: I don't think it's for me, Daily. I'll be honest.
1: I've seen like the adverts for it, and it um, looked a bit intense, but you know, it is
0: very it's very intense, but but worth it. I would say it's worth it personally. Dogging, I mean. (laughs) That's how you're pregnant, right? Yeah. Who knows who's, who the dad is? Could be mm. anyone. Right. Shall I tell my story? Yeah. Tell us your story, Dad. Maybe I'll leave I'll leave me saying that in with no context. That can be the intro. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, I really thought one of you was going to have this because I think Squares, you and I were like, oh, some- talking about stuff that's happened this year. Yeah. Now... I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but there's a pandemic going around of a new coronavirus. Really? No, I'm not. Never heard of it. Can you imagine if I was doing a coronavirus one? I am not talking about coronavirus. (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. Everyone is sick of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to take you back to January, which seems like 17 years ago. Yeah. It was actually only six months ago. 14th of January. In a port city in Catalonia, northeastern Spain, called Tarragona. I might try and get some really bad Spanish pronunciation or ca- my my Catalan is worse than my Spanish, so uh, you can enjoy that. Um, does anyone know what the story is? Do no. You know? Not yet, but no. Taking place in, well, starting in La Canonja Petrochemical Park in Tarragona. No. Okay. No, still, still really black faces. This is good. I think I was as there. soon as I, this came up on on news, and I was like, bookmark that shit for what a way to go.
1: I was had my head under a pile of books in January, so I don't think
0: I was up oh to yeah, date fine. with Fair anything. Enough. That's Fair my days. excuse. Okay, so um, we're in a petrochemical park in um, in Tarragona, and why not? there is why not, and there is a, a plant called. Is it offensive if I do a bad Spanish accent? Probably. Industrias Químicas del Oxido de Etileno, or IQOXE for short. Okay. Neither of them particularly punchy or easy to remember, uh-uh. but no. IQOXE. Um, so they produce chemicals such as ethy- ethylene oxide, which can be used to make antifreeze, pesticides, and to sterilise hospital equipment. And prop. So they're probably doing a roaring trade these days. Yeah, um, yeah And propylene definitely. oxide, which is used to make plastics... Um, so both of those chemicals are extremely flammable. An explosion occurred in the early evening on 14th of January 2020. So far, an explosion at a petrochemical plant... Not unusual. Not Yeah, you're thinking, Daly, why are you telling us this? This is a podcast about unusual ways to die. Well, let me tell you that that explosion killed someone two miles away oh my goodness how so did it kill people
1: in the vicinity yeah okay yeah
0: so yeah two workers did unfortunately lose their lives as well but that is again that is not as unusual a way to go yeah so residents in a housing estate in nearby torreforta well two two miles away torreforta after the explosion, described seeing a ball of fire stream across the sky. Ugh, that, yeah, that ball of fire was a one tonne metal plate from the factory site Jesus that went flying through the air from the force of the shockwave. Jesus. It flew two miles away into Plaza Garcia Lorca housing estate, crashing into an apartment and Causing that apartment to collapse onto the one below, killing 59 year old Sergio oh, Milan. Nice. Jesus. Who in the bedroom below. Yeah. So, two miles away from the explosion and just in his bedroom. Shit. Jesus. Which is. Flippin' mad. So two employees at the factory were also unfortunately killed in the explosion and a further eight workers were reportedly injured. I guess because it was like early evening, maybe not everyone was on site. Mm-hmm. Um, originally they were telling people to stay indoors in case there was like chemical fumes but then it was later found that it was just... It, the explosion probably did happen because of a chemical but it wasn't kind of immediately dangerous to be outside so they were they were kind of telling people to stay indoors um, yeah, no toxic substances were released. The investigation was still pending at the end of the at the end of May because it was slowed down due to COVID nineteen. So basically, the latest was they still couldn't really do their investigations into it, and the area where the explosion had happened was just completely cordoned off. So poor old Sergio Milan. Thankfully, he was alone at the time. He lived with his wife, who had taken his grandchild out for a walk, so they were both out of the house <laughs> or the apartment. Um, he, was a, he was a well-known and well-loved local greengrocer. And I'm a big fan. I don't know if you two are. I'm a big fan of um, bad translations. And Google translated it into um, him being a very loved fruit bowl. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. But then I worked out they were talking about greengrocers. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. And so just unbeknownst to him... Uh, there was there was no kind of warning that it was happening. Um firefighters who found the item said it was probably a lid from the reactor at the plant. The metal piece that seems to have crashed into the building measures approximately it's basically like two two meters by two meters and weighed a ton. Um, so that is some pretty serious force that has moved that, yeah. and obviously some very, very serious damage.
2: what So that went from the site. To the guy's house? Blue, yeah, blue two
0: miles away. Jesus Christ. To the guy's house, yeah. That's mad. Um, Yeah, absolutely crazy. So there's some eyewitness accounts. So, Maitifonal, I do not know how to say that, M A I T E was inside a store located around two kilometres from the site when she heard an explosion. The entire building shook. It was really strong, she said. Customers immediately realised that something had happened in the petrochemical park, and when something happens there, we all start to shake with fear, because I guess, like, if it's an explosion, even if nothing immediately happens, if it's petrochemicals suddenly, yeah. the air could be toxic, right? Yeah. And so there were bottlenecks on the roads as people were trying to get away from the area, because obviously suddenly people really panic, but there were... No noticeable smells um, and no one was having trouble breathing normally. Um, Suddenly the front door flew open and the glass on the window started to shake. Everyone rushed outdoors because they thought something had happened there. We didn't hear any sounds. The first thing you think is that there has been an earthquake. Anyway, so yeah, poor old Sergio was a really well-loved local man. The plate itself or the lid didn't actually go into his apartment, but it went into the one above him where I'm assuming no one was or that would have been another um, another fatality and thankfully for her and for his grandchild his wife and grandchild were out of the house at the time but that must have been quite a shock for definitely oh that's really sad Isn't what that, a sad yeah. story yeah. anyway there you go short but sweet from me because no, I no. just thought it was unbelievable very good yeah, yeah. very nice Badness.
1: good
0: goodness Good, interesting stories all around. Thank you very much, pals. Yeah, thank you. This has been... I've really enjoyed coming back to this. Uh, Shall we do our Girl Crushes? Let's. So,
2: Girl Crushes Crushes is the end of the podcast where we just try and lighten the mood, if you're still with us, where we talk about um, women, uh, anyone, any woman in the world that is inspiring us or... You know, doing something that we admire or we want to talk about Um doesn't really matter. Let's just talk about women that are smashing it. it. And Elsa's is going to start us off.
1: So, I was thinking about what, I've not read a lot of fiction this year, but I have read some. And um, for my birthday, Matt bought me An American Marriage by Tayari mm. Jones.
0: <gasps> so good! Which
1: is, yeah, such a good book. And I think Obviously, there's been a lot going on this year and everything that has happened with the Black Lives Matter movement and protests has been a real time for, I think, learning and reflection. And I definitely think one of the things that I've realised is that I do engage with a lot of white, you know, television programmes and fiction Mm. and all Mm. this, you know, um, and it's, I think, really important to just take a step back and think about that and how that reflects our wider narrative and how that reflects our wider understanding of the world and our lens that we're viewing the world through. Um, And so I think just trying to widen just what I am engaging with and thinking about people's viewpoints and where that's coming from, how it's been framed is really important. So um, she is an author and An American Marriage is about, um, for those that haven't read it, about a young black couple and what happens when, um, I think without giving too much away, when the husband is wrongfully convicted and goes to jail. Um, and it won the Women's Prize for Fiction and it's just a really good book. And I actually, I wouldn't, necessarily have bought it if Matt hadn't bought it for me because I think because I'm not just probably not as engaged as I should be in, in just general with fiction but um great
0: out that was one of that's been one of my lockdown reads.
1: I haven't read more than one book
2: during lockdown so I need to work right. on that.
0: This is the time mind you you're very very busy with the house.
2: I'm not I'm not busy. I'm not doing anything. I'm just <laughs> literally sitting on in my pants doing nothing. Anyway my point. aim
1: for the summer is to read so much more i've got a big i bought a load of books from waterstones the other day i got big i know we should be supporting independent bookshops but there was none near me in my area and i just anyway well. at
0: least it's not amazon yeah. waterstones is much better than amazon so don't
2: worry about
1: it mate like i do try and avoid amazon at every cost so.
2: yes please please do even though i'm a hy- hypocrite because i've got amazon prime anyway my gold crush is candice braveweight who for want of a better description is an influencer, but she's so much more than that. So I followed her for a while now. She um, she started the campaign, Make Motherhood Diverse, which is all about talking about motherhood in black communities. And she um, has recently written a book called I'm Not Your Baby Mama. And bittersweet for her, I, I think she's actually said, but also massively amazing, is that she's, you know, topping the charts of, what's that? New York, is it New York? New York Times bestsellers. She's been top of bestseller list. Basically, her book came out during um, the kind of the recent rise of the Black Lives Matter movement um, because of George Floyd. And she has been part of, you know, lots of recommendations because of the book that she's written, which is all based off the kind of uh, cause that she started, which was make motherhood diverse, all about her, her kind of situation as a black mother, raising black children. And also being very aware of the situation we have in Britain specifically about mm. um the fact that black mothers um specifically but people of color are five times more likely to die through yeah, complications of insane. pregnancy but also Absolutely insane. um childbirth she um she's been an influencer let's say for a while um she's just i I find her immensely inspirational in general, but also she's just like cool she's fucking cool she's always got incredible um makeup she, her outfits are really banging she's funny and I got really like pent up about everything that she's been through I'm not obviously a friend of hers in real life or and you know I'm not an ally that can stand up for her in any way but I I used to follow the person that was um quite publicly racist about her as an influencer and i just think that the more that we can do as white people to stand up to other white people that are actively racist or Mm. who actively say really derogatory things i think it's really really important because
1: yeah
2: white white people need to do more white people need to stand up more to their own white counterparts and call out the kind of systematic abuse that black people Mm. have faced for years and it shouldn't have to take something like this for it to be the case but I I followed Candice for a while. I I find her really inspirational. I just find her a, a joy to follow, and the thing that she went through last year, which was mother of daughters, you know, um, anonymously calling her, um, angry and aggressive, um, was kind of a yeah. wake up call for me, for the people that I follow and the things that I do online to mm. add to a situation where she feels like she Candice feels like she's excluded from these. Um, pockets of people online which i just think is bullshit so for that reason but also because i just think she's a fucking joy candice is my girl crush this has got the best lipsticks i've ever seen on any woman ever <laughs> like it's probably shallow as anything that's the
0: reason i love her um, sometimes that's the core of girl crush
2: let's be yeah so um yeah candice Braithwaite, follow her on instagram buy her book do it all you know
0: lush yeah i will so I, yeah. knew the, I knew her name, but I don't follow her yet for some reason. I'll make sure I do. Yeah, please do. Um, someone I do follow, and I think you all do, is my girl crush this week, Mona Chalabi. Oh,
2: I love her. Have we not she's, Have we not done Mona?
0: No. So oh, she is... Um, I love her. Uh, she's ostensibly an illustrator, but she specialises in... Data. Oh fuck, what would you call it? Like data. Data British and statistics. Like data visualisation. Yeah. Um, data and statistics. And... She's really, really good. Anyway, she's got like an amazing style and always kind of portrays interesting, interesting data in a really, really interesting way. But she has been absolutely fucking smashing it through COVID and absolutely fucking smashing it through Black Lives Matter. So like every every day, she's got some kind of new way of explaining systematic racism. And you wouldn't think that would be such a an inc- like a joyous thing to behold, but it's just like. It's so clear. It's so to the point, and she can tell in one Instagram square picture the story that would take you know a senator or a campaigner like two hours to tell. I don't know. Yeah, like she's. It's just it's so impactful and powerful. Um, so I thought she was great anyway. I actually went to school with her. Did you two know that? No, with her. Yeah, yeah. No. She was a couple of years below. Her sister was in my year, but yeah. <laughs> so she's, she's younger than York, us. But she- yeah, she's a couple of uh, years younger than us. What a punch well, in the chest. you're a bit younger than me, but she's like, yeah, one or two. Well, you know, I think maybe two or three years younger than me. Ugh. Anyway, um, so she's New York-based, but she's from my ends. And, um, yeah, so she was great anyway, but, like, the, the, the pandemic and... Uh, black lives matter she has been absolutely phenomenal so check her out Mona Talabi.
2: did you see um maybe we could share this actually because she's actually quite fine with people sharing stuff but did you see her timeline of like civil rights protests and the time yeah, it's taken take, yeah so like yeah. the um Montgomery bus boycott you know yeah. all of that kind of stuff and actually like where we are is like a tiny amount compared to where things have actually had to happen for things to make yeah, a big difference. I think that is amazing. like one of the most powerful things that I've seen through all of this yeah. is actually like, you know, white alley, alley fatigue and it's like bullshit like that. And it's like, well, actually, when things have changed in, in previous lifetimes, it's taken a lot of fucking it takes a really effort long time, from yeah. everybody. Yeah. And that's what yeah. we need to do. Like, this is not just a couple of protests or whatever. This is... You know we have to keep continuing to do this, we have to keep continuing to have these conversations
0: yeah it's it's to, a worry that it it might kind of fade out as yeah. as soon as kind of another thing comes along, so yeah, fucking hope not.
2: I love her work. it's incredible, um yeah, it's great. <laughs> outside of black Lives matter. she's been treated quite badly by five thirty eight You should look into some of the stuff that she said what's five thirty eight so five thirty eight is um one of the original kind of, like, politics um, statistics website that was started, like, years ago by Nate oh. Silver. So he still runs it, but it's massive now. It's massive for... They were, they were <laughs> until 2016, they were one of the only kind of, like, statistician blogs that predicted most of the outcomes of, like, um, political... Um, votes and things like that and they got it Mm. fundamentally very wrong when it comes to Trump. They didn't get it so wrong, like everybody got it wrong but they didn't get it wrong in the sense that they said that the anomaly is that he could win by a massive margin which he did. Well, Mm. not from the public vote but anyway. um, But there's been quite a lot of people of colour that have worked for 538 that have talked about the kind of systematic racist abuse that they've felt um, on a a minor scale in the sense that it was kind of, um, it wasn't overt, it was quite subtle but it was still racist abuse um oh. and she's kind of said oh the stories that I could tell you the things that I could tell you because she's obviously um not able to for maybe NDA reasons mm-hmm. or whatever but um that's quite interesting because I've listened to the 538 podcast a lot read the website a lot like I've basically been a fan of it since 2016 when everything kind of fell to shit politically wise um and then I love Mona and I think she's amazing and then I've seen that actually she was treated really badly there so I'm like ah oh shit don't listen it's to the podcast, go. don't off. go to the website yeah. anymore, yeah, like, you're done,
0: yeah. you're done, yeah. but, um... Oh, I didn't, I didn't see all of that, maybe I've missed something, maybe I've missed some of it. No, check it out, I mean, I mean, but if you don't listen to the My ignorance is helping, because I don't even know who 538 is. Yeah, well, yeah, you're fine, <laughs> no, you're fine, but yeah,
2: she's, um, she's, she's a good, she's a good person for lots of reasons, in my mind, yeah. so yeah. Anyway, lads, we've been recording That's for a while,
0: how, oh, who hell. knows
2: how long this podcast will be, but, uh...
0: That was a total joy. We've missed you, listeners. Sorry, we kept you waiting for so long. It sort of, uh, yeah. I think when we left you in September, we were hoping to come back before Christmas, but then life, life. very much happened. Yeah. Big life things happened to all of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then to the and world. Then, and then the whole world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, <it's> yeah. Totally
2: <laughs> this is the thing. Like, I do feel like lots of things have happened,
0: and I can't believe it's been, it's a big been few months. nine months since September. It's mad um but we miss you and we love you and we will be back um maybe with a special guest child infant <laughs> well it's gonna be fine just yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> i would get him up but um he's flopped on the floor oh good ch- he ch- needs his ch- rest He's ch-
0: ch- 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 quite weak to be fair so yeah, yeah. For, the for the moment one,
1: he does need his rest he went for a little jog today so you know for...
2: a jog what you took him for a jog
1: yeah, I went for a run and then Matt followed with Will for a bit until he got tired because he gets a bit like Aggie and the, not Aggie, but like he's just hey, got a lot of energy. Yeah, and Matt does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we thought we'd see how he goes because he really likes running and he liked it for a bit and then he just flopped on the floor. But he was pretty yeah. tired afterwards, which Oops. is quite good. Oh, that's so cute. No. I love it.
2: I love it. Uh, maybe we'll put up a picture of Wilf as the intro to this new episode on Instagram. Defo. Nice idea. Yeah. Give the okay, people goodbye. what they
0: want. We all want Wilf. Exactly. We exactly. Do. All right. Well, thanks. All right. Well, everyone, stay safe out there. Don't yeah. get too bored. And look after yourselves.
2: Look after yourselves.
0: See, See you next time. Well, sweet. Goodbye. Bye.
2: goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.